Hello, podcast listeners. This is Jared Pickney, and today's episode is with radio personality Trey Stafford, who actually began working in radio at the young age of nine. After 40 years of being on air, Trey not only has lots of great stories to tell, but also lessons to share. In our time together, we talk about how Trey got his start in radio, the importance of hard work, faith, passion, and vulnerability. And now on to today's episode. This is going to be a, a Christmas special, man. <laughs> Trey, thanks so much for coming on. No, I'm glad to be here. So glad to have you. We were talking about this um, in the foyer, and I have a memory of you. Uh, I was riding to school with my mom, and it was a regular occurrence where we would listen to you on the radio. I don't know how old I was. I just know it was sometime I was in elementary school. Where were you at then? What station were you a part of? At that that would have been K105 Place Favorites. That would have been the station. Um, uh, Here K- in Paragold? Yes, KDXY uh, was originally KHIG. Built by the Higgins family in 1971. Uh, G.I. Higgins was the father. Bruce, uh, Dan, and David were the were the sons. Hmm. And they, they built that radio station out south of town on off Highway 49. Uh-huh. And they're on the hill. And uh, I, I came here in 1984, Labor Day 1984 was my first first uh, day on the air, and I went to the Greene County Fair. That was my first uh, live appearance in Farragut. Man. But, yeah, that's... Over at the fairgrounds. Yeah. That would have been... uh, And I was there. We we were there uh, from 84 through about 95. Okay. And and then we moved the station to uh, Jonesboro, continued with K105, and then uh, we actually switched formats to country Mm -hmm. and uh, created the Fox in 1997. 97. Yeah. Which is where you still are today. Yeah. How did you get to the radio station in Paragold? So I don't know, really, I know you're from Mark Tree originally, but how did you get into this career? The career period, well, that started in Mark Tree. We had a little AM radio station there, KPCA. And you talk about riding to school with your mom. I rode to school with my mom. My mom was a teacher. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, she taught fifth grade. And in the fourth grade, uh, I was riding to school with her. And the the guys on the radio station, Bill Lawson and Jerry Ashlock, did a show called The Treehouse. And it's kind of like me and you right right now. Uh, They would run this big, long mic cable uh, out, out the front door and out the sidewalk about 200 feet to the side of the road and had a couple of chairs out there with a John Deere tractor umbrella. And they would sit out there from 4 to 5 o'clock every day and just talk, just like me and you are talking. Just talk. Yeah. And so mom would listen to it, and I listened. And I asked her one day, I said, well, mom, I said, uh, they never talk about school. They never, they never, you know, I hear them talk about all this other stuff, mm-hmm. but they don't ever talk about school. And she said, well, maybe you need to take them some school news. And I thought about that, and that night I went home in my bedroom, and I wrote out something. I don't know what it was. Wow. but. I wrote out some school news. So the next day, we got ready to leave school, and I said, Mom, you need to take me by the radio station. And she said, why? I said, well, I wrote out that school news you told me about. <laughs> and so I pulled up in front of the radio station. There's Jerry and Bill, and, you know, Mark Tree's not Had you met them before? Oh, hey, you know, everybody knows everybody okay, in Mark sure. Tree. <laughs> so, so I got out, and, hey, Trey Boy, what's going on? I said, well, I brought y'all some school news. <laughs> and they said the most outstanding words I've ever heard anybody say to me at that time. They said, why don't you read it? Mm. Oh, boy. 
and they handed me that microphone. Were you I, excited? Oh, are you kidding? Read that school news. I have no idea what it was, <laughs> but man, that felt good. I was nine years old. Wow. And uh, after I stuck around after the show, they gave me the tour of the building that was about as big as your office here. And uh, uh, that didn't take very long. <laughs> but I, you know what? It, it was it was crazy. I decided right then when I went home, I said, you know what? I don't know if I can make any money doing this, but man, this seems fun. I want to be on the radio. And I gave up, that was fourth grade, and I gave up all of my extra time, uh, Little League, Dunn, uh, any, any, wow. I just wanted to go to the radio station. Really? I was just a weird What do you kid. think appealed to you about that as a kid? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was that people were listening to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did, I was fascinated by the whole uh, logistics, the whole playing, you know, because we played vinyl back then. It, it, it just all fascinated me. And, uh, but there must have been some kind of, uh, appreciation for the fact that you know people might be listening this is kind of cool you yeah. know i don't know yeah but I, I i and how cool is it that your mom didn't like <laughs> shut that down <laughs> i mean it's awesome i mean like to you it's like that's normal because that was your mom right but like i think about how many parents and maybe even me if my kid was like they don't talk about school and i'd be like yeah they sure don't the end yeah you know but it's like you should write something up yeah. and go take them school news like was that is that indicative of just the kind of person that your mom was, or was that just like I don't I don't I don't know why my mom did that, like, or was she just kind of always in your corner? Like, I don't know. My mom and dad both were very supportive of my sister and me, whatever we wanted to do. That's cool. And uh, I, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to look for, I don't have to think hard for examples of that. And just in my, you know, the whole radio thing with me, how many times did they take me down to the station, come pick me up? Uh, later, after <laughs> after I worked there for five years for no pay, by the way, there was something about child labor laws. Or five years, no they pay. Pay me, but when I they kept telling me when I turned fourteen they would, and I turned fourteen, and then they said something about the budget, <laughs> and so uh, so I left. I'll never forget that man. That was sad. I cried all the way. I had by the time five years had gone by, I was already doing my own show and for free. And but he and gave, when you were how old? You said? From four, from nine to fourteen. Well, when were you doing your own show? I started when I was like eleven or twelve. I did Jeez, Saturday your mornings show? and what was it? Just playing records and just you know. So you're on there like they're you're actually people are listening to you at this point. Well, they told kid. me they were listening. I, I maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. That's wild. Uh, so, but yeah, I got you know that was. I mean, you ask what got me interested. Mm-hmm. That was it. I mean, I I I loved it. I loved everything about it. You know, you talk to people in Mark Tree that were that were there during that time, and you know, a lot of them remember that. You know, sure. I think one of the one of the uh, more famous moments for me happened when I was ten. Uh, I'd been hanging around, and uh, we had a uh, we had a tornado in Mark Tree. It was a December tornado. Happened uh, when I was in the fifth grade. It was really bad, tore up a lot of stuff. Nobody got hurt, thank goodness, but it scared everybody. And so the response in the community was to put together a civil defense team to protect the town against future tornadoes. Mm-hmm. And so they trained these guys and showed them all these movies of destructive tornadoes and how to watch the skies and, and all of that. And uh, the plan was... They were all equipped with CB radios. And so the plan was, storms approach, you send all these guys out in these 
trucks with CB radios, and they watch the sky, and if they see one, they radio in. And at that time, the radio station was a daytime-only station. In other words, when the sun went down, it was over. And so we turned it off. And uh, so during the day, no problem. But at night, they determined they would have to activate the emergency broadcast system, allow us to turn the station on under emergency authorization, and uh, they would sound the fire siren. Because back then, if there was a fire in town, they blew the fire siren, and the volunteer firemen tuned to the radio to find out where the fire was. Mm. Well, everybody tuned the radio because everybody's nosy. They want to know where the <laughs> fire was. So if you heard the fire siren, so that, that was the plan. And so for, as fate would have it, the first severe weather event that came up, they activated the civil defense. There was storms moving in from the west, and um, they activated the, the civil defense. They sent all these guys out there, and they started calling the guys that worked at the radio station, Coleman Tucker, Leroy Durlam. I remember the names. And they couldn't get anybody. It was at night, and they couldn't get anybody to go down there and open it. And somebody said, I think that Stafford kid's been hanging around down there. And so midnight, Bill Henderson, who lived right across the street from me, he was Civil Defense 1, Unit 1. He called my dad, CP, uh, kind of an unusual question here. We've got some weather coming in, and we need somebody to turn the station on, the radio station. Uh, somebody said Trey's been hanging around down there. Do you know if he has a key? <laughs> You're 10. 10. <laughs> and uh, my dad says, well, yeah, I think he does. He said, well, I know this is unusual. Would you mind... If I came and got him, and we'll take him down there, and we won't leave him by himself, we'll leave somebody with him. And my dad comes, wakes me up, and says, Trey, they need somebody to go open up the radio station for some severe weather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I was thrilled, man. I couldn't, I couldn't wait. So Mr. Henderson came, picked me up. We went down there, and he left me there with a guy named Maurice Henson. I was 10. Maurice was about 75. And so I go in and I turn the radio station on. I'm in there playing records. And, dude, I'm just having a ball. I mean, this is, I've lived for this moment, you know. And Maurice is out listening to the uh, CB. Well, as you could expect, if you've got these 35 guys and you've showed them all these movies of death and destruction and, and all that, you send them out in the middle of the night in their trucks with just a CB radio and lightning flashing and rain and wind, one thing's for sure. They're going to see a tornado. <laughs> and sure enough, they did, or they thought they did, and they radio in, you know, there's a tornado at Painway, and it's headed right for Mark Tree. And so Maurice heard that. He busts through the control room. I'm in there playing George Jones and Tammy White. <laughs> I'm having a ball. And, and he looks at me, and he says, Trey, there's a tornado at Painway. It's headed right for Mark Tree. Tell everybody to take cover. Wow. Right then I remembered, wow, that's why I'm here. And so I stopped the record, and I keyed the mic, and I said, there's a tornado in Painway headed right for Mark Tree. Take cover immediately. <laughs> My mom, as she told the story, was at home laying in bed listening to her son on the radio. And when I did that, she reached down and grabbed the covers and pulled them over her head. <laughs> and the next week in the Mark Tree Tribune paper, I think the editorial started with, who let that kid on the radio? <laughs> That's so fun, man. That I want that has to be one of the most crazy stories I've heard around this idea of radio, man. I mean, a ten year old. Oh, it was crazy. Calling for severe weather, man. Well, and, and you know, when you're ten, you 
you really need something to happen in that scenario to give you some credibility. Oh, man. I mean, I didn't want anybody to get hurt, but at least you needed a tree knocked down or an old farm building destroyed or something yeah. just to give you some credibility. Sure. Of course, nothing happened. <laughs> you know, so that I, it didn't that, that ended your career as a weatherman but, right there, man. Well, but, you know, that's that whole scenario is really kind of... It's wild. It's just, it's crazy to me that, like, there wasn't at least, like, you know, like the 75-year-old man or something just said, son, give me the microphone, just, <laughs> you push whatever you got to push, and I'll say what I need to say. I'll do the talking. Like, they just trusted you. Uh, Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, uh, poor Have you judgment. ever heard <laughs> anything else like that? No. No, I really haven't. I, I really, I, I mean, they saw something in you? I mean, I, my son is 10 years old. I cannot fathom that happening today let's get him on the podcast let's yeah. get him on yeah let's get him on. maybe it's because i don't believe in him like your mom did in you <laughs> so you started out early then and just your love for radio you had this great experience people's in your corner so is it safe to say then i mean you never dreamed of really doing anything else no i i had a backup band director okay. i i loved band in high school what'd you loved play it. I played trombone. I hated it. Had a terrible tone. Uh, I, and and so I, I wanted to switch to percussion. And my band director, Howard Dunn, uh, didn't want me to switch to percussion. Finally, my junior year, he let me. But I loved band. I tell people that had it not been for band, I don't know if I'd have made it through school because I loved band. I would, I would get out of any class with a substitute. I would get out of study hall any time to go to the band room. Mm. And, I, you know, I hung around Mr. Dunn. I asked questions. I, I remember I arranged a couple of songs for us to play. One was uh, an old KC and the Sunshine Band song, Keep It, Love, uh, Keep it Coming, <laughs> Love. I arranged that. We played that on a concert. And uh, so I think band director would have been my backup. But, uh, but, but I, loved, I loved radio. And, uh, you know, and, you know, you talk about people believing in me. There's so many, what I would call hurdles, that 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 God pulled me over mm. with people. Mm. I mean, they're just. I mean, I could give you. I don't know how many exact. I could just keep giving you examples of of places that should have been probably been a, an end point for mm-hmm. me, be it financially, be it circumstance, whatever. That somebody was there. To help me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, so much. I, I can't remember who said this, but uh, said looking back at their life, it seems like so much of what has happened. This was, it was a successful person and was talking about the success in their life and said a lot of what has happened in their life came to them what seemed to be by accident. Like there were things they couldn't plan for. And so hard work goes a long way. Passion goes a long way. But you do kind of have to have, whether you want to call it providence or whatever, the right people kind of at the right time. And it seems like you were surrounded by a great cast of people that kind of helped you. So I'm curious, like, when did you actually get your first paid gig? Well, funny story. So when I turned 14, I went into the then manager's office to Whit Waits, and I said, Mr. Waits, you told me when I turned 14 you'd pay me. Well, then he brought up a a word called budget and said I wasn't in it. And, uh, boy, it hurt my feelings Mm -hmm. because he told me. that Mm -hmm. And at that point, it became a matter of principle and I decided, well, if he's not going to pay me, I'm going to leave. Mm. And that hurt me. I told my mom, I said, you need to come get me because I'm quitting. And uh, the the record rack was mine. The little digital clock radio was mine. Several things in the control room were mine that I had loaned wow. the station. So I put all that stuff up in my arms, and I walked out, 
the door and down that long sidewalk. I mean, I was bawling. 14 years old, yeah, bawling. Sure. Because, like, man. That's they, your world, man. They had taken yeah. away my toy. Yeah. And uh, my grandma lived in Truman, 12 miles up the road. And, uh, boy, she did not like her grandson being unhappy. Mm-hmm. She and I were buddies. And she was the secretary at the Methodist Church. She was a retired school teacher. And uh, a guy named Eldie Hoover had moved to Truman and taken over the radio station there. And he had joined the Methodist Church. And so he comes in to see my grandma. Well, you just won't believe what they did to my grandson down there at that radio station in Mark Tree. And he, she tells him the story. Well, you tell him to come see me. I'll give him a job. Wow. And so I went up to Truman, sat down with him, and he gave me a job working Sunday afternoons, I think, $5 an hour, 1975. And uh, that was in the ninth grade at that time. And I worked there through high school. Uh, worked for five different general managers, and every new manager that came in gave me a pay cut. I had started at $5, and everyone that would come in, they'd say, now, Trey, you're doing a good job. We want to keep you, but, you know, they're paying you quite a bit. We're going to need to cut you. I started working $5 an hour. When I left uh, senior high school, I was making two thirty-five an hour. Wow. Now, that's backwards. But, yeah, you absolutely. Know, that just Seems like you're going on. the wrong way. <laughs> So, yes, that was my first paying gig was in Truman at the radio station there. My grandma helped me get that job. And uh, and then the, my senior year, late senior year, I moved back to the station in Mark Tree, uh, and I was doing sales and stuff and had planned to go to Arkansas State. Uh, you know, I did I did well academically in high school, so I had the, you know, the academic scholarship and all that. Mm. And in August of that summer, the general manager there left, a guy named Chip Bramlett, and uh, – the owners, Skip Wilkerson and Stan Porter, came to meet with me. They said, Trey, you know Chip's leaving? I said, yes. I said, well, we think you'd make a good general manager, and we'd like to. When you're how old, you said? I 18. 18. We'd like to promote you to be our general manager. And I said, golly, guys, I've got college, and oh, you can do both. Well, I couldn't. And, of course, college, that was the sacrifice because mm-hmm. I wasn't about to quit radio. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I stayed there five years managing the station in Mark Tree. Made a lot of mistakes at their expense, I'll mm-hmm. let me tell you, because it was on-the-job training for sure. me. And uh, then in 84, uh, Bill Little and I had a chance to come to Paragould, and we did, and and uh, st- started doing the morning show, at, yeah. like I told you, on K105. And even though I'm on the Fox now, that's the same radio station so that will be 40 years next wow. year, 2020, 2024 will be 40 years. Is that crazy? It's crazy. It's a wild story. It's two-thirds of my wildlife. It's all you know, right? It is. When You know, you hear stories all the time of people who are passionate about something, but so, uh, or you know, or you hear about some people that are just hard workers, um, and then you you take both of those things, you were passionate and you were hardworking and you've been able to marry those things together and do it for your whole life. I mean, how many people can say that, you know? And I tell people all the time how lucky I am. You know, I, I, on my email signature, it's an old Confucius, you know, find a job you love. You'll never work a day in your life. That's you. And that is me. That is you. I, I, even today when that alarm goes off, it's pretty much the same as it always has been. I, I just, it's just another day for me. I'm not, it's not work. It's just what I do. What have you liked about it the most? You know, that's a great question. I, I think the, uh, the, what's the word? The politically correct answer would be 
you would say, well, I love being able to do things that help people. Sure. And what I mean by that is you look at things that we've done like, uh, you know, Make-A-Wish and, and collecting food and, and, and all those things. And they are all great things. And I am glad we're able to do that stuff and, and to sort of uh, corral those, those events. Uh, I think the thing that satisfies me the most about what I do is it's those one-on-one uh, moments. And they don't happen every day. But a one-on-one moment where somebody will say to me, you know, Trey, I, I've listened to you for this many years, and, you know, when my mom died, you know, mm-hmm. you helped me through that. Mm-hmm. Or or when this happened, you were, you know, or I'll tell you the ice storm in 2009 was something that uh, I don't hear about it as much now. But, you know, for a long time people would say, you know, Trey, you were the only thing that, that, that we could get at that time. You know, our power was out this long, and, yeah. And uh, those those moments where people actually share that that something we did or that I said or something actually impacted their yes. life, yeah. you know, I think the most personally satisfying thing is when people say something to me about my faith and that they tell me that that they sense my faith by things that I say mm. and and you know it, which it could be about you know Trey. I know you loved your dad because you talk about him all the time. Or, you know, I, I could tell you're not afraid to, to to share your faith in Christ because, you you know, you'll say that. Mm-hmm. You'll say this or that on the air. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not a big deal because I'm just saying. Sure. Just kind of coming out but of it. But apparently that there, yeah. means something yeah. to some people. You it know? does. And do you think that there's something about that's, I think, unique about radio and about someone like you who's been doing this for such a long time is the world feels so unstable a lot of times, and if you can have a stable presence, and we don't have a lot of stable presence. You know, like you think, I mean, people come and go in your life all the time. Somebody maybe even thought it was your best friend forever, they're not there. You had a loved one, now they're dead. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but if you have a radio personality who's been there, kind of in the ups and downs, it does in some ways, even if you've never met them, it feels like this is just a person that's a part of my life. And you come across as someone who's genuine, you know, um, and I think that makes people feel in some way, even if they haven't had a chance to interact with you, they feel loved and they feel seen and they feel like, okay, this is this part of my life that I can go to and know like it's going to be there. And that's huge. So I, just hearing you talk about that, about people saying, oh, like you're the only thing I had, you're in the eye storm, that sort of thing. I think that's absolutely incredible. I'm curious, like how have you seen that change over the years or just maybe even the job as a, you know, someone who's on the radio, like, cause it feels like from an outsider looking in, it's changed drastically from whenever you first got in, right? You're spinning vinyls. Yeah. Right? Like, like tell me about that. Like what has the change been like for you for, for better or for worse over the years? Well, there's a lot. I mean, obviously you just hit on the technology. Yeah. I mean, technology, I mean, I've been through, I've evolved from vinyl to, to uh, tape to, uh, CDs to now, you know, digital, you know, computer automation. Um, you know, we we no longer uh, staff the station twenty four seven seven days. You know, twenty four hours seven days because it can all just be programmed. It can yeah. be, and uh, now with us in particular, that comes with a commitment to respond if there's an issue, be it mm-hmm. severe weather or any other crisis. We respond. Uh, we have the capability now of even responding from home so we do still realize and accept that responsibility but you know i don't have to worry about the 11 30 
or 11.45 Saturday night, <laughs> Saturday night call from the DJ that's supposed to get off at midnight mm-hmm. saying, well, hey, Brad hadn't showed up. What am I supposed to do, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times that was, you know, I had to go in and at least stay till I could find somebody else yep. to come in. And so that was kind of a, 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 a crazy time, so we don't have to do that. You know, everybody gets off Christmas Day now, which is neat. I worked yeah. a lot of Christmas mornings when really? I was a kid. But it was kind of cool because I was a kid. Santa Claus had brought me stuff, and I just – Took calls from other kids. What'd you get? That's you know, cool. and so uh, that's cool. But yeah, so the technology has changed. Um, I think the other ways that things have changed. Obviously, we're sharing listening with a lot of different yes. platforms now. Yes. Um, Do you and, think that we've lost something with that? By the way, because I, I was thinking about like there was a time where I could not hear my favorite song unless either I bought the whole album or it came on the radio. Yeah. And it feels like the anticipation is now lost. Like, because I can go to Spotify anytime I want and I can play that song seven times in a row. And here's the thing I'm also probably done with it <laughs> by about three weeks and I'm on to the next song. Do you think something's like been lost in that? Well, sure. I mean, I, you talk about not being able to hear your favorite song. I can remember as a kid calling the radio station, begging them to play this new song, you mm-hmm. know. And. Well, I just played it. We'll play it again, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, and so there was that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, radio still reaches, uh, according to our research, ninety percent of Americans weekly. So it's still a, a relevant uh, uh-huh. deal. But we are sharing a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of listening. And so, yeah, I think uh, some of that. Uh, I don't know what's the word is uh, that personal. Uh, relationship yes with a dj yes is is it's more difficult to uh to cultivate and more difficult to nurture uh now than it used to be yes. i think on our side we have to work harder to make sure that there's a compelling reason for you to want to you know not go to spotify um you know do so that's different that's that certainly has changed that yes it has yes it has has it changed even the kind of programs you do and all that kind of stuff well it it our focus now is on, uh, we, we believe that localization, in other words, we want to be able to broadcast on the air things that you can't get on Spotify, but yeah. you still want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I tell people uh, a lot of times, you know, that's fine. You know, they'll talk to me about XM Sirius. They'll say, well, you know, what do you think about satellite radio? I said, well, it's fine. You know, if you're traveling, it's a great thing. You don't have to punch around and try to find a bunch of different radio stations. I said, but if you listen to XM Sirius in Jonesboro or Paragould, you know, and that's all you listen to, it's only a matter of time before there's an F5 coming up Court Street, and they're not going to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. But I will, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, talking about our, our, not just me, but our radio sure. company. And so uh, we just have to make sure that we are still relevant and are still local and, and still give people a reason to want to, you know, sure. to, to want to listen. What do you think as, when you look back over your career, what has allowed you to be, um, I, I guess for lack of a better word, successful, like what's allowed you to kind of endure to stand the test of time? Um, because again, people have come and gone, right? Different radio personalities, but you have continued, you've been constant. Like, what do you think that, what has allowed you to do that? Well, that's a good question. I mean, one thing is um, I've been willing to basically do <laughs> uh, multiple jobs. In other words, um, 
you know, I, I am an air personality, a DJ. I'm mm-hmm. also general manager. I'm also halfway engineer, halfway IT guy. And so yep. I've been willing to be a multi, mm-hmm. uh, multitasker, so to speak. You know, um, if I had been, if I had not been willing to get into the management and sales and the other side of our business, you know, financially, maybe I, it wouldn't have allowed me to, mm-hmm. to provide what I want to for my family and so forth. Uh, that that's one thing. Uh, the other thing I think, I mean, I don't know how to do anything else. (laughs) I mean, this is it, you know, uh, it's been a long time since band. So I doubt I could do still do that, (laughs) but no, I mean, this is all I know how to do. I, I, I've, I don't know the older I get, maybe this is a little tougher to say, but I've always said it's you, you won't outwork me. I mean, you might outsmart yes. me, but yes. I don't think you'll outwork me because yeah. I am willing to work. Yes, and and our our whole team at the radio station is kind of that way too. So, um, so yeah, I think just willing willingness to work and not be a you know not a step back from what what it takes to to be successful. Yes, and uh, and and be willing to do kind of the multi the multitasking scenario. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've been clearly hardworking. You've been someone who's open to learning, right? I mean, it seems like when I, when I hear you talk, it's like, there's a lot that you just went out and you didn't, you went and learned, whether it's having to learn through your mistakes or actually going and researching. And clearly you've had to be flexible. You had to be willing to change, right? And the passion is obviously there. And I think, you know, that's something that all of us can take away. We look at someone in your position who has had this successful career. And I think if you have someone else wanting to start out in radio or wherever it's, you just look and say, I want that right now. But that doesn't just <laughs> happen, right? I mean, that's been a lot of hard work. I'm curious, your, your boys have somewhat pursued the arts, right? They're in music. Um, it feels like it's somewhat coming full circle in the fact that you had your mom who really, and dad who said, hey, pursue your dreams. Even if, probably it was like hey you should you know the safer routes college you know what i'm saying like the well, safer i'll never route. forget the day i yeah. told my teacher mom that i was gonna stop going to college you know because i i tried i did a full i have 24 hours that's what i've got today so i'm a long way yeah. from a degree yeah but i can remember you know uh i, I did a full semester and then i started two others and didn't finish because i just too busy I had to run a radio station and i remember the day i told my mom i wasn't gonna and you know, she was, I, I really worried about that conversation, but she was not, I mean, she didn't just shoot me. Yeah. I mean, she just said, yeah. well, not Trey, if that's what you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my boys have, have a mom. I, someday they'll realize how good I did as a, as a husband and, and, a, and with my wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, I way out kick the, my coverage as they say <laughs> and they'll realize that someday yeah. they don't realize it yet they're 22 and uh they think her uh organizational skills and motivation skills and all that uh you know i say they they don't get it i think they do down deep yeah. but 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 it's hard to recognize it, it, they yeah. don't want to yeah. they just don't, they don't want to give her a lot of credit yeah. yet but i i hope and i think they will someday realize just because she has been such an encourager of them mm. and uh she recognized their musical talent um uh, you know long before i did and and saw something there in them and uh and so you know who knows what will happen there they're sure 
they're uh, like I said, they're twenty two year old men, yeah, young men, and well, now's the time all to that be goes with that, right? that, you know, yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. What do you think whenever you look back at even just exactly? Well, we have a lot of obviously parents that listen to this, and some you know parents who still have kids in the home. Like, is there any including us? Is, <laughs> is there any advice that you would give? Because I think that um, it's really easy. Because you, everyone wants the best for their kids, right? Sure. And a lot of times, I think, unfortunately, because money is has such a grip on us, we think that whatever leads to making the most money is what's most successful. But um, is there any advice you can give to those of us that? Oh man, when you it talk comes about to parenting, feeling ill-equipped to answer a question, man, that is it. I mean, I, I have four kids. I have Ellie, who's twenty-five, married. I have my triplet sons that are twenty-two. And uh, they were all raised in the same house. They were all raised by the same two parents. But they have, you know, if you're going to try to judge success or difficulty or whatever, they they all have varying degrees of that. Uh, some, and, and, it, and sometimes it would be different with one than the other, and then that switches and all that. You know, all I will say is, you know, do the best you can. And don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I think we all... Talking about as parents. As parents. Whether it's pastor, you know, there are people that thinks, you know, that think counseling, for example, yeah. uh, uh, is a weakness. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. But I will tell you that at 62 years old, that is the stupidest thing yes. I've ever heard. Yeah. And I don't care whether it's counseling from a pastor, a friend or a trained, you know, counselor or therapist, do it. Yes. Yeah. Do it. And don't be afraid to do it. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, you know, people look at me, oh, Trey, you got it all together. Let me tell you something. Trey and Jenna are going through the same things with our kids that, that, that you are yours. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Mm-hmm. And I, when my tri- triplet sons were infants and we were feeding and changing diapers and bottles every four hours and all that, and it was like a doggone, uh, uh, you know, work chain at a factory. Yes. I thought that was the hardest times of my life. No, yeah. it's been 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. I long for those days where we were doing diapers and bottles because I was I could predict it. Yeah. Every four yes. hours, we're going to change diapers and bottles. Yep. Now, I don't have a clue what's happening next. Yeah, I've, you heard know what people, I mean? I've heard parents say of older kids that in the early years, it's physically exhausting, but in the later years, it's emotionally exhausting. Absolutely. Amen to that. I mean, and, and uh, I'm not just trying to... <laughs> dump my life on you. I'm just saying, no. don't be afraid to ask for help. No, that's that huge. Be, that would be my advice. Have you found that it's been harder for you to, it, it, I appreciate you saying that. I think it's huge. And if, if people are listening to this, that alone, hearing you say that is worth listening to the whole podcast. But has it been harder for you to admit weakness or be able to show weakness as a public figure? Or do you not feel that? I, I've done, you know, my, Jenna, my wife, it struggles with that more than I do. You know, I, hey man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yeah. I've made tons of mistakes. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I haven't said things I should say. I've done things, you know, I'm, that's me. And I yeah. don't mind telling you. And I, if you, if you said, well, Trey, could you give me some examples? I'd probably do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I have mean, you always been that way to where you're like, Hey, here I am. Good, bad, and ugly. Or is that just with age? You finally came to a place where you're like, you know, know what? I don't care anymore. I, if, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I don't know. I don't think I've ever been afraid to say, you know, I just, I screw up from time to times. Yeah. I just do. And, uh, so it's just, that's, that's awesome because it just seems like people, um, it seems like, especially now we live in a culture where people cannot tolerate weakness in public figures, you know, like it, it feels at least, especially, you know, you see it a lot mainly with politicians, but it can also be with pastors. It can be with radio. It can be anybody. It seems like we're so quick to throw a rock at somebody or kick them whenever yeah. they're down, yeah. especially again, if they're in public. And that's unfortunate because so much of your life is exposed and you've put yourself in that position where you allow that to happen. And so I think, man, that's, that's encouraging for me to hear that that's something that you've been like, Hey, you know what? Like I just made a decision that I am imperfect. I know that's true. I'm not going to try to hide that. Well, it sure is easy to give feedback now. I mean, with social media, especially. I mean, oh, everybody's got a voice. I mean, oh my God, everyone's an authority figure, yeah, right? absolutely, and not afraid to share it with right. you. You know, and that, and that that's tough. I I think I think back. I did weather, you know, on KIT for a number of years, and I think about Ryan and Aaron and and Jace, those guys now in a world where people can fire back at you as easy as they yeah. can now. I mean, back then they had to like write a letter or something, <laughs> and I got a few of those, yeah. you know. I remember I did a series of commercials for a number of years with uh, Smoot Mobile Homes in Marmaduke, where oh, I rode yeah. where I rode this uh, donkey Jezebel, <laughs> and I've got some great letters about why are you making a you know what out of yourself and those stupid commercials. You know, I mean, just I mean, just terrible. So you've got criticism over the years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My voice, people make fun of my voice. Really? You know, they call me emphysema man. Oh, oh my know? God. You got a great radio voice, man. <laughs> I've been sitting here thinking the whole time how insecure I feel that uh, as I listen to my oh, voice no, no. And, and your voice, oh, I'm like, no. man, I need, I need Trey's voice. You're, you're interviewing emphysema man. No, you man. Know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I, when you look back at your career, what would you say is your, uh, just working in radio, what's been your biggest takeaway? What's something maybe that you've just learned about about human beings or just about life in general as you look back? Well, good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we all need to understand that we're all dealing with, you know, we see the face. We, we see the face of people. Behind that face, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, it can be financial. It can be relationship. It can be parenting. It can, There's a lot of junk in the world and so when you see people and you hear circumstances you know hear people talk you know just know that there's sometimes a lot going on there that, that we just can't see yeah and uh and you know this whole uh thing about projecting that life's just perfect and i'm perfect and you're hey man it's yeah none of us are that's right that's right yeah we just finished up a series in our church for those who listen to this i'm a Pastor, I guess is my day job, but um, we just finished a, a three-week series where we, we called it a safe space for wounded sinners. And we said, you know, that's really what our church is trying to become, is we're trying to become a, a safe place for people who have sinned and been sinned against. Uh, we all carry trauma and transgressions. And the world is not really a safe space for that anymore no. in a lot of circles. And, and we really are passionate about, we want to create a safe space for those people because what I have found is exactly what you said. You know, I worked for Arkansas Counseling for six years and I've been now pastoral ministry since basically I was 21. And so I've done a ton of counseling. And 
what I have realized is exactly what you said is there's a lot of people out there that you would look at on surface level and envy their life just off surface level. They seem to have it all together. And the more that I connect with people, the more I realize everybody's got something they're struggling with. Every single person has a battle they're fighting or they have an issue that they've been wrestling with or an addiction they've been trying to kick. I'm, I'm curious, like for you, how does that change how you approach people knowing that? Well, in the work environment, for example, you know, I've got 25 people that, that I work with. And, uh, you know, we you, you hear people say, well, you know, this we're like family. Well, we really are. And uh, I've tried to uh, cultivate an environment where people can share with each other mm. uh, what's going on within themselves, be it medical, be it personal, be it, you know, marital, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and sort of lean on each other for you know, for, for support. And, uh, you know, and you mentioned church. I mean, I mean, how many years and how many places do we feel like that, you know, you got to have it all together before you go to church. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, that, that's a misnomer that so many people even still today think by, you know, I can't go to church. Look at all the problems I got. Yeah, yeah. You know, they forget that, you know, the whole deal is, uh, a, a, a savior that died for all of that. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. already taken all of that. That's right. Yeah, we say regularly that you know this is a place for imperfect people who stand in need of one perfect person. Absolutely. And uh, if yeah. you're if you're perfect, you probably don't fit in here. <laughs> but if you're if you're imperfect, this is the place when for you. you. And so you and, and even to take it another step, you come in and you know, okay, so I'm imperfect. I'm a sinner, and so you're washed, you're forgiven, and all that. And so now I got to be perfect from here on out. Well, no, that's right. Yes, that doesn't happen. Either. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. It's almost like people think that they take a bath in grace, but then like as soon as they get in the grace, it's like God pulls the drain, <laughs> and it's like you've got <laughs> so much <laughs> time, so much time. To get this thing all figured out before the grace before water the water's runs out. out. That's oh, it, that's man. Great. That's it. You know, well, so many people believe that though. They do. I, I read a quote uh, from Bill Clinton years ago, and I'm sure you covered this and and talked a lot about whenever he went through with him with Monica Lewinsky. And someone once asked him a question. It's one of the saddest statements I've ever heard. Asked him a question about has he been going to church, and he may he replied by saying I haven't, and he said it's because it's so hard for me to connect with people that don't know what it's like to sin. And he wasn't trying to be condescending. He was just saying that that was truly his experience. That I'm walking into a room with people who don't know what it's like to sin like me, and I just don't know how to connect with them. And I think that's a shame, you know. And and we say that happens in the church. I think it happens on social media. It happens everywhere. Where we keep presenting these pictures of ourselves, like we've got our life together, and it's such a lonely place to be. And what we have found is that if you will be honest with people and be vulnerable, what typically happens is they're not going to lean back; they're going to lean in. Because they're going to say, okay, this is a human being. I can't do a relationship with a robot, which is what you did look like, but you're a human, and I can connect with a human. And so I love that you're doing this with your with your team and that you're seeming to try to model this and lean into this. I think it's huge, especially in the society we're living in today. So I just want to applaud you and say, well done. Thank you for modeling that for us. As um, as we move into, we're going to move into some, some rapid-fire questions, but um, Ooh, that's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but before we before we do that, I'm just curious. I'm going to give you an opportunity to to share this. Are there any, as you look back, you know, I just kind of asked for kind of a, a life lesson. But are there any moments that stick out to you that you'll carry with you uh, for the rest of your life that 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 really mean a lot to you, or just something that has shaped you? Well, since it's the Paragool podcast, I should probably 
focus on the time that I was in Paragould. You know, I came in, I mentioned earlier, Labor Day of 1984. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really the first time I'd been away from home. I mean, I'd, I'd grown up in Mark Tree and lived there and, and, uh, and, and had not been away from home. And I came, I came to Paragould and moved up here, and, uh, and I was here for a little over 10 years. And, uh, you know, while I was here, um, the impact that people can have on you really, you know, uh, made, its, made its presence known to me. So many people were, were befriended me and were good to me uh, during my years in Paragould. Many of them are still great friends of mine. Um, you know, I was saved when I was here. Yeah. Uh, I was at Eastside Baptist, and mm. and uh, that was on a two or three or four, I won't get into the whole story, but two or three or four invitations from just different people, not connected. Hey, won't you come to Easter Cantata? You know, <laughs> why don't you do this? You know, won't you come? I'll never forget, uh, in August of, that would be 1990, uh, Mike Todd, friend of mine, mm. invited me to come to Eastside and, 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 uh, and sit with him. Now, Mike and his wife and two girls sat on the second row. And Jim Fowler was the pastor. And uh, romping, stomping, I mean, boy, just what I needed at that time in my life, just so you know. And so I'm sitting there, and, man, he preached, and he was preaching hard. And, dude, he was preaching to me, you know. And we stood up for the invitation, and it went forever. And, I mean, dude, I am fighting it physically. I am just sweat is rolling off. And I'll never forget when he finally said the congregation could be seated. I just collapsed in that pew. And when it was over, I walked out of there. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I said, good Lord, I am worn out, you know, and I went home. Well, so the next week, Ronnie Bellamy, another friend of mine, huh. invited me. Boy, I was excited about that because Ronnie sat up in the balcony. <laughs> and I thought, man, I'll, he get, can't up, see me up I'll there. get away from yeah, him yeah, up there, yeah. you know. So Jim Fowler comes, and he goes in, and, there, and he's looking up there the whole time. And I left there, and I was living at 1802 Magnolia Lane at the time. And I went home after that service, and I got down on my knees and said, God, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I surrender. I surrender, yeah. And I went back that night. I was going to do it, you know. And so I'll never forget this. I walked in the back of Eastside <laughs> Baptist, and there was a buddy of mine, Chad, sitting back there. And I walked in, and the stage is clear. There's a children's program. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> He's not going to do an invitation. He won't ask me. I'm ready, you know. And so they did the children's program. It was great. And after it was over, Brother Fowler got up. Oh, children, oh, that was just lovely. Thank you. Let's give a hand to all their directors and blah, blah, blah. And then he said, you know what? I don't usually do this on a night like tonight. But Mm -hmm. he said, I just feel like there's somebody here tonight that wants to give their life to Christ. I said, yes. <laughs> and boy, when he when he started playing that music, dude, I jumped out of that pew. Wrote, I jumped. He's a big guy, Jim Fowler. I don't know if you remember him. I he don't. Was, I never. I've heard his name. Never he was him. huge, and I jumped, boy, and I hugged him. I said, "Brother Jim, I did it today after you." And uh, that happened in Paragold, and That's I'll never awesome. forget it. That's I'll cool. never forget it. I mean, you know, and people will tell me all the time, "Oh, Trey, I wish I had a real." experience like that today. I said do well all I can tell you that's mine. That's right. And it was real and I'll never forget it. That's right. That's and awesome. I'd like to say I'd been perfect every day since. Sure. But I have not. Well so, the good news is so that you know. God didn't pull the drain, man. Well, the grace uh, the, the, you're still floating in that grace, man. 
That's awesome. Well, I love it. You know, there's so much more that I could ask you, but I want to respect your time. And so we'll move into some rapid fire questions if you're ready for it, man. Rapid fire. All right, here we go. What is the last uh, movie or show you watch, or if you don't watch? Taylor Swift concert. Come on. That was quick, baby. Is it good? It it was good. Okay. I respect her. I told somebody one day, like her or not, I, I mean, whatever, I just think, She's the biggest entertainer of my yeah, lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Of your lifetime. I think so. I thought you were going to say this generation. Who else? I mean, I don't know. I just saw that she and Prince are the only two people to ever have five records uh, on the chart at the same time. Yeah. She has five records on the chart. And this tour she's doing, she just crossed a billion dollars. She will cross two billion by the time it's over. I just don't know anybody else that's... That's, and that's someone who stood the test of time, too. That's done it like she has. I mean, she just, and she's done it primarily without any embarrassment, nothing that's stupid. True. I mean, she's kept her head on. It's true. I mean, she's 30, what, one or two now? Yeah. She but, could lose it now if she wanted to, and I'd still think she's done okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's done really well. I pray that she doesn't, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got her start. How long ago? What was she like? She was real young. She was 15? a teenager. Right? She was hanging around Nashville at like 13 yeah. or 14 Jeez. and then started putting off records. And Figured it out. And you know what? She's got a great mom and dad. Really? She's got a great mom and dad that's been right there with her. Well, Still sure with helps. her. That's Still cool. hanging I didn't around. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Taylor Swift. Did you hear uh, Tony Romo call her oh, Travis I, Kelsey's wife yeah, yesterday? Yeah, he did. He sure did. On the game when they played the Bills. Was that a slip or is that No, like, it was definitely a slip. Okay, I must say they moved Kelsey, fast. Kelsey catches this pass. Everybody's going crazy. They go to a shot of Taylor in the – well, there's Travis. There's Kelsey's wife, Taylor. Oh, no, I'm sorry, girlfriend. <laughs> not yet. Not he yet. played for rumors. Here they go, baby. Yeah. The guy with him was like, do you know something we don't know? Yeah, Jim Nance said that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I uh, I did not get a chance to see that. I will, however, watch uh, Monday Night Football see, I'm night slowing the down. Dolphins are on there, man. I'm slowing you down on rapid You're fire. not? Hey, dude, it's never rapid the, fire. The, the rapid is the wrong <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah, we should start. We should, we should Standardized questions. It's just <laughs> the same question. That's a... It just doesn't sound as nice as they stand in those questions. What is your favorite band? Oh, Chicago. Chicago. That has been mentioned on here a few times. Uh, Give me a song by the end that's like, man, this will turn you on to Chicago. Oh, well, uh, Saturday in the Park, Feeling Stronger Every Day, 25 or 6 to 4. Hang on, I'm writing these down. Saturday in the Park, what'd you say? What's the other one? Uh, 25 or 6 to 4, Make Me Smile. Uh, uh, feeling stronger every day. How many you want? I, mean, I can go all day. Tell me this. You're a music guy. I got to change that question up because you answered that too easy. Uh, top three. So Chicago's number one. Chicago Eagles. Eagles is also mentioned. Always. So I can't get into them, and I want to so bad because I feel like if you like music, you should like the Eagles, and I love music. And the band Trip. I kind of like them. <laughs> pretty good. They're yes. pretty good. That's a good three. Yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a here's a hard question. Okay. What is uh, your last meal going to consist of? Oh, last meal. And you, last you don't have to worry meal. about calories, any of that kind of stuff. It's not, not have to be healthy, whatever you want. You can be I'd want my mom's potato salad recipe. Okay. I would want uh, ribs. Ooh, where barbecue from? Barbecue ribs. Ooh, that's a good one now. Uh, since we're in Paragold, I better go oinkies. Yeah. Oinkies if I could get legit. oinkies. Yeah. It's legit. Very much. You know, if he's got them left, you know, I, most times I go, he's out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, my mom's potato salad. Going ribs from Oinkies. Uh, golly, that is a hard one. You got to have another side. <laughs> okay. Well, 
Let's go with uh, Jenna's corn casserole. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. That's Dessert? What are you going to do with that? I'm going to go with mom's coconut pie recipe. That's a good oh, one. Does she have man. the meringue on top? What does yes, she have? Yes, and it's burned. Yes, it's, yes. It's in there yep. just long enough yep. that it kind of burns a little yep. at the That's top. the way you got to do it. Got to do it. Sounds like the way my mom. Absolutely. What are you drinking with that meal? Sweet tea. Sweet tea. It's great. It's a very strong See this belly? That's meal. what I call the sweet tea belly right uh, there. I love it. <laughs> You know, here's here's what we have started doing. Uh, I started this actually for my wife this year, and I'm hoping that she returns the favor. As I asked her that for her birthday, I was like, "What what would be your last?" The week before, I was like, "What would be your last meal?" And I was just taking mental notes of it. And Is that, that what was, you that was, her, that was her birthday gift. Oh, well, it, it got crazy, Trey, because she didn't know what I was doing. So she's like, "I want sushi <laughs> from uh, uh, Akira." And then what else did she? I can't remember. I want shrimp tacos. You got tiramisu? Uh, or something like that? Yeah, I want tiramisu cake <laughs> yep. from Avanzari. And I want, Dr. I, want, I want Dr. Pepper from Pizza Inn. <laughs> yeah. She didn't know what I was doing. So, like, she just was, you know, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to pull that off. And I was able to pull it off. And wow. So, yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I, like I said, I'm hoping she returns the favor. Well, I do too. <laughs> um, let's see right here. All right. What is on your nightstand? Right now. Right now? Wow. Well, there's a clock radio, which I still do the clock radio. A lot of people have gone to the phone alarm, not trade. Good for you. I'm waking up to the radio. I got my CPAP machine. Yep. Good for you. (laughs) Second person to CPAP. That's right. A lamp. um, A picture of me and my dad that I cherish. Mm. Uh, That may be it. Oh, my little uh, phone charger pad thing. You got to have that. Yeah. You got to have it. Okay. Um, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. <laughs> That's great. Uh, driving down the radio, driving down the road, listening to a song very loud, very loud. Wow. Great. Very loud. Do you have like windows down while you're blaring it? Windows Not usually up? because I'm, I am a little conscious of, of what are you going to listen to really loud? Oh, Chicago, man. When, oh, Golly, I gotta have man. to get into them. You're not, you're have you not, seen them in concert? It's several times. And see, we're Are they now. the best band you've seen in, con- yeah, in concert? For me, yes. For me. I just... You know what that goes from? It goes back to band. Because even before I was in marching band, uh, the band at Mark Tree played a bunch of Chicago songs. Make Me Smile, 25 or 6 to 4. There you go. This and is I, nostalgic. I didn't even know... This is even, taking you back. I didn't even know what the band was at the time. I mean, I heard the band... I heard the marching band playing the songs first. Then I heard and just fell in love with him. Fell in love with him. The trombone player, I told you I was a trombone player. Yeah. The trombone player, Jimmy Pancal, is uh, he, he, not as much now, but he was. He thought he was so cool. I mean, when he was on stage, he'd, he'd look at those women and boy, he'd, he'd, <laughs> and he'd, he'd use that trombone as like That's a, how you thought you were going to be in the Mark oh, Tree band. Oh, You're like, man, yeah. that's going to be me. I'll be working shake, that gym. He'd yeah. wear those tight pants and shake those hips and do all that stuff. He was so I just love to watch him. He was uh, so funny. See if I can find that on YouTube. <laughs> all right, last question. What is one thing that you're deeply grateful for right now? Oh, my mom and dad. The life I had with my mom and dad. I miss them. Uh, my dad's been gone uh, six years. Mm. And I'm, th- I'm thankful for My mom died in 2011. They lived with us in the basement. Jenna mm. was okay with that, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, after mom died, dad and I spent those next, if, if they had still lived in Mark Tree, I don't think he would have been here another two months. He mm. was so brokenhearted mm. when she died. Mm. 
But as it was, he lived with us, and uh, he and I spent so much time together, even uh, even as he deteriorated in life, and, and we were going to the doctor a lot in hospital. Even that was precious to me, mm. you know. And I'm, But I'm just so thankful for them. I couldn't have done better. I struck it rich when it comes to parents, and uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for my wife, too. Because I think I did pretty good in that area, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. But, uh, but boy, parents, man. That's right. Awesome. King and queen. That's great. King and queen. Well, thank you so much. This has been like a bucket list <laughs> interview, I feel like, conversation, to be able to share the air with uh, Trey Stafford. Well, I don't this know about great, that. Man. This, this is great, man. This is awesome. This is my pleasure, man. Yeah. I've loved it. I, I appreciate the invitation. I know it took us a while to get it together, but... Uh, yeah. But I, I just uh, I, I appreciate you even wanting to spend time yeah. visiting. I enjoyed it. Yeah, the pleasure's all ours. So thanks so much for making space to be here. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. Trey Stafford has left the building. So glad we were finally able to get him in here. I laughed a lot. I, I know. He has a great storyteller. And he's got a great uh, radio voice. Like you said, it's a oh, very yeah. identifiable very yes that's a great way of putting it, a very identifiable voice and so it was awesome man really is kind of a little bucket list for me to check off being able to uh say that i did that with trey stafford so a guy that i've been able to listen to for a long time it's a little bit weird actually <laughs> being just in a one-on-one conversation and hearing his voice uh here through actually my own headset so uh trey thanks so much for coming in and if you're still listening thanks so much for tuning in um if you've not already done so please go and check us out on different social media uh, platforms we're primarily on facebook and instagram uh, we also have a website paragolpodcast.com and uh, if you've not already done this whatever platform you're listening to this on whether it be spotify or apple or something else if you will give us a five-star rating that just helps people to find us more quickly and learn about the incredible people that are living here so as always thanks so much for listening merry christmas until next time